Welcome to People's Church Podcast. How many here ever had a teacher that just loved the color red? Do you know what I mean by that? They just love the color red. Yeah, oh, now you're getting it. Now you're getting it. Yeah. I mean, red was their favorite color. Um, I had a lot of red. Did you have a lot of red? That's not spelled right. Just wait for digital to come in. It's never going to get spelled right. Red is a color that, uh, of course, this is wrong. You got it wrong. You failed the test or you didn't do as well as you should. You didn't get that 100%. We've all got things in our life that uh, we get a lot of red. And in fact, to be honest, everything in your life you're going to have a measure of red with. It's just a matter of how things come at us in life. Tests, tests. How many love tests? There's a few. There's a few of you. They really, really bug me how some people for tests, like they actually like them. How many here know what test phobia is? You know what test phobia is? Just knowing you have a test coming and things start churning inside and you're already, you know, seizing up on the inside and your brain stops working. I think tests are actually pretty inefficient when it comes to testing our knowledge because there's so much fear often around the failure of tests. How many here have ever failed in their life? Okay, those of you who did not raise your hand, we will recommend counseling for you with your spouse. The fact is, is red's just a part of life right? It just is. And in this life, that's to be expected and it's normal. And we fail in all kinds of ways. I could keep going with failures because my gosh, it's such a long litany of them in my own life. And I'm sure you're going to try and match me. Maybe by the end of this life that we've got, maybe we'll be even Stephen or something, but I know what we'll have is a lot of red. Now red is, is that idea of failure. There is only really one failure that matters when you take a look at your life from God's point of view, right? And that's the failure to take him up on the plan that he's got for you through Jesus Christ. We're going to be looking at a couple of things today around two different judgments. We're going to not spend too much on the first one, but on the second one, really important. You may not have recognized that there were two, there's two judgments represented in the scriptures. One is the one that you all would be more familiar with, and we'll look at that one quickly, but there's a second one that you might not be familiar with, and that's where I want to spend the lion's share of our thoughts today on. Uh, If you've ever watched Billy Graham and his crusades, and they still rerun these things and do that, he was an amazing man for sticking to the simplistic core of what the Christian faith was about. And here's one of his favorite scriptures that he would quote in just about every crusade message. And it's found in Hebrews 9, 27 to 28. And it says, people are destined to die once and then face judgment. In the same way, Christ was also offered once to take on himself the sins of many people. He will appear a second time, not to take away sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So, 
the scripture here is just really pointing out. It's appointed for us to die once and then the judgment. And that judgment is the one that you are thinking about and that you're the most aware of. Uh, it is the first of the two judgments. Uh, and the first is the, what we call the great white throne judgment. It's a judgment of sin resulting in heaven or hell. It is just on the subject of sin. That is the only judgment that deals with this. And it means that we basically are going to have an account uh, brought up. But here's the good news, and it will get better. We have to start with the bad news first. Have you ever noticed the bad news has to come first and then the good news? If anybody ever asks you, what do you want, the, the bad news first or the good news? Most people will say, give me the bad news, okay? Give me the bad news first, right? Because I want the bad news first, and then give me the good news last, so at least I finish on something that's got good. So the bad news is always going to come first, my job, a lot of what it's about is to help you to be prepared for these two judgments. That is a lot of what I need to make sure I'm paying attention to and that you are prepared for both. The first one is just about the great white throne judgment and it's really just about sin resulting in either heaven or in hell. Take a listen to the scriptures as I read these to you. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. And the lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Now if I go back to the scripture we read earlier, it is appointed once for man to die. That is in the plan of God. The second death is one because we have refused life. Now, God's not the kind of God that's going to play tricks on us for tests. You know, sometimes you might have received tests from teachers and they sprung it on you or, you know, no information about the test and uh, so on. So you really didn't even know what was going to be on it or those kinds of things. That's not how God works. God puts all the math out there. It's like he gives you the answers first, right? Right? You don't have to cheat and get them off your neighbor. Okay? So he gives you the answers first. And, and, and he gives us the answers to this test. This is a test. He's going to test whether, whether you're good, your works, if you're going to just lean on those. And he's going to take a look at that. So really, this is going to be a good and uplifting message today. It might not sound that exciting right now. It'll get better. But before it gets better, we've got to understand this first judgment. It is really clear, the Bible says, that all of us have sinned. We've all failed. You know, we all have. Um, and that's just, that's just matter of fact. I love the way the Bible is just matter of fact about it. We've all fallen short of what it takes to come to God on our own merit. We don't merit it. Uh, you, you understand God is righteous, God is holy. And because of that, you know, we have no meritorious record that can set us up for the meat. You know, we're excluded. We're done. We're cut off. And so it's going to be on the, on the merit of somebody else. The Bible says the wages of sin or the end result of our sin is death. 
That's Romans 6.23. Now when the Bible speaks about death in this way, it's not talking about physical death. It's talking about spiritual death. Spiritual death. It's talking about being separated from God for eternity. Like what it's talking about here, the second death. He, he, when he says, when, when it said that they will die again. That's what, what, what's going on. This is the second death. It says at the end of that scripture. That is a spiritual death. Permanently, eternally cut off from God who's the only author of life. There is no life resident within anything else except God. All life exists because God gave it life because it came out of him. Creation comes out of him. He's created it. And it only exists, our breath only exists simply because of his existence and his goodness and his love towards us and the opportunity that he has bought and paid for for us to actually not be a part of that second death. It's pretty cool when you start to think about it, the good news starts to emerge. The bad news is that every single one of us on the planet was doomed. Every single one. Every single one of us was headed to not only physical death, we all know about that. Nobody denies it. Physical death. But we also were designed, or we were headed to spiritual death. And that is what hell is. It's, it's, it's second death. Eternity without God. Eternally, spiritually dead. But this condition absolutely broke God's heart. Because, because he is a God of love. In fact, he said that he is a God of love. That is his leading characteristic. God loves you. All through the scriptures we find this. Oh, it's so consistent. God loves you. God is a God of love and he loves you. But what broke his heart is that we're in this condition. And there was no way for this to be rectified. You could not change your record. Your merit cannot be achieved uh, on your own. So what he did, he just sent his only son, right, Jesus, to come to earth. He became a man. You, went, you know he lives, he lives the meritorious life, the perfect life. And then he goes to the cross. And on that cross, of course, we know he goes through the physical death. And he goes through torture. It's not just death, it's torture. And, uh, and, and even worse than the physical torture Isaiah the prophet says that in that moment of Christ's cross, God poured out upon him every sin or iniquity of every person that is doomed on all we all are. There is not one sin that was not poured out on Christ. Now my list is long enough, but let's take billions of people. In that one moment of time, Jesus be actually, not just bore your sins, it says he became sin. Now at that time, there was something that, that trans, transferred that, that for those that are willing to put their faith and trust in Christ as our lamb, as our sacrifice, that which makes us right with God, there is this transfer. Now, when he's on the cross, he said three very famous words. He said, it is finished. It is finished. What, what is he saying is finished? Well, the issue of sin is finished. The issue of sin is actually finished, folks. It's done. So why do we have a great white throne judgment? Because even though the issue of sin 
is absolutely finished, there is still the need for the repentance, the receiving, the receiving of the gift of life. The issue of sin is finished. It's paid in full. Every sin, not some sin, all sin. Every bit of sin is gone. All, the, all that which doomed us has been removed. Every man, woman, child has the ability now to receive this incredible gift of righteousness. Righteousness meaning perfection. More or less, it gets to be where the test doesn't matter anymore because Jesus passed the test for you. Now here's a real interesting thing. You know that great white throne judgment we were talking about there? It's really an interesting thing. You're not even going to be there. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus took the test for you. He's the one that has stood in your place. And because he has stood in your place, the first test is already passed. Because it's not about the checklist of some good works, some bad works, let's weigh them in the balance. You have the perfect record given to you of Christ's own righteousness. More or less, it's transferred to you. He became sin for us that we can become righteousness like him. Now that's an amazing thing when you think about that. And it starts to gain in your understanding. And then we begin to understand the incredible, sure hope we have that at this particular judgment we start off with here today, through Jesus Christ, your, your, your name's already in that Lamb's book of life. Notice the title of the book, Lamb's. That means the sacrifice, the cross. The Lamb's book of life. More or less, that is where it, you are part of now life that is, that is spiritual also. And you have this eternal well-being because of, of this incredible exchange that has been offered for you. So he took the test for us. And we're found perfect in him. Our name's written there. Eternity in heaven forever. It's awesome. Ah, but that's not the judgment I want to talk about. I just want to make sure you're clear. That one was about sin. There's another judgment. And that judgment we just simply call the judgment seat of Christ. It's spoken about in the scriptures. We'll just choose a few and take a look at it. In, in, in the second judgment, it's a second test. And it's for those of us that are believers. So you've already left behind the first judgment. You're not at the great white throne judgment. You're already in the Lamb's book of life because of your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. But there is another judgment that you and I uniquely face as believers. And that judgment has to do with our works. Not to be saved, but because we are saved, 
the works that we were saved to do. This is where we bring in words like purpose. You hear us talk a lot about purpose? For believers, this is your, you've been saved for purpose. He has offered this to everybody, but you've received it. And now he has purpose for you. And that's going to be worked out in the good things that you do. Ephesians 2, 8 through 19. And I'm only going to read just a few things from it. It says that we are saved by faith. Through, we are saved through faith, not by works. Uh, we are saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest anybody can boast. It's a really incredible scripture. He's saying, you're not saved by works. He's talking about the great way through in judgment now. He's saying, you are saved by grace through faith. So grace, you don't deserve it. Faith, I embrace it. That's salvation. You are now God's workmanship, he says. Once you've received Christ, created in Christ Jesus. Now you are in a new creation. You're a Christian. And you are created in Christ Jesus for what purpose? What purpose? To do good works. Which he prepared you in advance to do. That's an interesting thing. He prepared you in advance to do. More or less, he's going to surround you with women at the well like he had to meet that woman at the well. He's going to surround you with some lepers that need a touch. He's going to surround you with people that have these needs. And he's going to say, I have designed you and placed you here so that you can carry out some good works. My good works created in Christ Jesus to do these. Which he prepared in advance for you to do. In other words, you can't be saved by works, but once you get saved, you are now saved to do good works. Salvation comes through grace and faith in Jesus. That's the first judgment stuff. Second judgment stuff is after you get saved, what are you going to do with what God gave you? What are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do, to live for? Are you going to live for the things of eternity? Are you going to live for just the things that are very temporal? The Apostle Paul writes about this second judgment of our works in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. He says, by the grace God has given me, I have laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one of you should build with care. Notice that. With care. He's saying be wise. He's saying Jesus is your foundation. But now you must be wise what you build on top of it. Jesus, when you receive Jesus, he comes in and the foundation of your eternal life is settled. It's set. And now you get to build on top of that foundation. You get to choose. Now, he has good works, and he's prepared you in advance for them. But you still have to choose to take that life on and to live out the opportunity that God has given you. So he says, you got to live that out with care, with intentionality, live with meaning. You should build with care for no one can lay any other than one already laid, than the foundation already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So he is the foundation. Anybody 
who has given our life to Jesus. We're saved. We're going to heaven. The foundation of our life is Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation, who is Jesus uh, using gold, silver, or costly stones, or wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, that's test day, test day, or judgment day, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved. Again, he's clarifying. This isn't a judgment of hell or heaven. You're already going to heaven. This is now judgment concerning what you did with your works and if you lived for eternal things. How did you spend the opportunity? Did you live for the things of the kingdom of God? Or was there other things just wrapped around your own interests that drove the stewarding of your life? He talks and compares building of your life, living your life. This is a metaphor of building a house. He says your life is like a house. And he says the foundation of your life, if you're a Christian, is Jesus. Then you get to choose what you're going to use to build. Isn't that amazing? You get to go to the store of opportunity and you can choose, ah, give me some of that wood, give me that hay, give me that stubble, you know. Or you can say, no, I want gold. I want silver. I want precious stones. You get to choose the materials. But wherever you choose, it's going to be tested. And he says, I'm going to test your works. Yes, you are my son, you are my daughter, you have your, your place in, in, in my eternal realm with me, but now I want to test your works. And I'm going to test it with fire. Now what does fire do when it hits wood, hay, and straw? It just licks it right up. Consumes it, burns it up. What does it do to gold, silver, and precious stones? Well, it purifies them. It lasts. The concept of what he's saying here is that, is, is this judgment? Is about, are you living, did you live for eternal value? Or did you live for things that had only temporal value? Uh, did you take, you know, just sort of the wide gate on this thing? And you're going to be tested for those works. Have you ever seen a big house fire, the results? Just a few down from where I live out in Aspen Ridge there. There was just a few houses down. It was a big, beautiful cedar home. And it was only about four years ago, I think, that this thing lit up. Some coffee pot thing that did this whole deal. And it just lit up and it, it, this big, beautiful home, you know, one of those three-car giant garages that every man drools over, you know, high, big, and it 
go, it burns. It burns completely down, except for the foundation. It just burned. And the only thing left was the foundation. And that's what people that build with wood, hay, and stubble, your works are going to be tested. Your foundation will stand. It's going to hold. But whatever you put over that is going to be tested. If it's, if, it's, if it's the flammable stuff, it burns. Now you're still getting into heaven. You're still going into heaven. You're suffering loss, but you are still going into heaven. But you really got nothing to show You gave your life to Jesus. But maybe you didn't live your life for Jesus. This is why it's so important to know about this second judgment. Now some people say, well, I'm okay, I'm, 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 I'm fine. As long as I'm getting to heaven, I'm good with that. I don't really care about anything else, just kind of getting in. In heaven, in Revelation, we're also told that there's going to come a moment in time when all of the rewards that you have received for a life well lived, for the eternal reasons of God, that you always made sure that you went to deal with the things that God is interested in. You played to his priorities, not your own. He's saying all the rewards you get for that, there's going to come a moment in time in heaven where we all take and cast all of our crowns that he gives us at his feet as an act of worship. We can live in such a way we got nothing to cast. Over there. Every reward that you will receive, you're going to have that opportunity to throw it at his feet and say, but for you, but for you, I would have had no purpose, no meaning. I wouldn't be here, but I wouldn't even have any of this that you have brought to me. Okay, so what are eternal things? What do we live for? What are the things that we should spend our life pursuing? Well, the Bible's really clear. As I said, God gives us the answers to the test before he ever gives us a test. And, and, and it's clear on what has eternal value because that's what he's asking us to spend our life on. Spend on things that are have eternal value. So when you take your kid to soccer, it's not about that I shouldn't take my kid to soccer. It's that, oh man, this is an opportunity to meet some people and to see into the opportunities of actually being about God's kingdom work at the same time as the normal routines of life. It's about you always entertaining the work and the opportunity of God in the middle of your daily runs and daily routines. Well, there's only two things that have eternal value right now. Of course, God. God is eternal. He has eternal value. Ah, but man also is. So it's God and people. People and God are the eternal value. People are all going to live forever and God is eternal. And these are the two things that are eternal. So no wonder when Jesus was asked in Matthew twenty-two thirty-six 36 this question. 
It's a big question. What is the greatest command? What is the greatest thing that I should be doing? What, what is the number one priority to my life? Like, tell me what needs to absorb me in this day. Tell me what is the most important thing to focus on, like, right now. Well, Jesus gave the man the answer to his question as distinctly as he could. And he said, the greatest command is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. That is where he's making it very plain. This is the first eternal thing. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Second eternal thing. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. More or less he's saying the reason they hang on these two is because uh, they have the eternal value. Nothing else does. Everything that you've ever owned in your entire life, I don't care if it's socks or cars or houses or lands, have no eternal value unless they are put to the work of serving those things that have eternal value which is God and people the whole word of God everything he's saying everything about my word is about, is about love God and love people they're the only two things that have eternal value what does this mean focus the attention of your life around loving God and worshiping and serving God uh, God I'm willing to do anything and everything you have for me today take a bite sized piece speak in the today language I want to study your word. I want you to show me some things. I, 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 want, I want to seek your face. I, I want to know you in deeper ways. I want to be tested now. It's not just about doing works. It's about the heart that says I want you. And then I'm going to, with passion, live out my purpose. I want to leverage my time, my talent, my treasure, my money, my works. My ability, my gifts. I want to leverage my creativity. Everything that you have given me the opportunity to have and how I'm wired and how I'm put together, you have designed purpose for that. So I want to leverage these things fully to see some people come to know you and to encourage all of us that are in the same way. Every one of you in this room probably have a different occupation. But every single one of you have a very same vocation if you're a Christian. And you're called to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ to let the world know that you are not lost if you don't want to be lost, folks. You can be reconciled to the Father. You can be reconciled into the family of God. He loves you that much. Come in. Everything that has eternal value is God and people. So let's just work that through some logic here. Let's think about the culture first. What does the culture teach us about this kind of living and how to apply our lives and how to leverage our life? What does it tell us to leverage it for? Well, usually it goes something like this. When you're born, 
you grow. Your parents are trying to help me grow. They're trying to help me grow and everything to do well in school. Do well in school. Why? So then maybe I can go to college or some after school uh, uh, learning and pick up a great trade or profession. And so maybe I can even get some scholarship money. I want to do well in school, uh, right? If I get good grades and graduate from college, then maybe start a great career. Then I can have a great career. Why? Why? So I can have money to have a great house, a good car, marry somebody who would actually want to be married to me? Why? Then maybe we would have some kids and then we would have, ki- have uh, those kids and then they'd have kids and we'd have grandkids in, which is even better. Why? You have all of that and then what you're hoping is all along the way they tell you what you are supposed to do. You put money away, you see, to have retirement so that one day you're going to have the very best life ever right there. You live this whole thing with that in mind because those last 10, 15, 20 years are going to be so awesome. No, they're not. How stupid is that logic? Anybody here, don't raise your hand or anything. (laughs) Like 65 and up. Do you have any aches or pains in your body that you wake up with now that you didn't wake up with 15 years ago? Um, Anybody here like some of you really thought, think you're old. How many here are, now you can raise your hand because you're, you're a young bunch. How many here are 35 or, or up? 35 and up, 35 and up. <clears throat> okay, the rest of us, now you know who's really old. Okay. <laughs> Even I've heard 35-year-olds, they go out and they play hockey and a bunch of wusses. Oh, Nelson, I play hockey. This happened just, just within the last, I played hockey last night. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, oh, just whew, a little tired, achy today. You're in your 30s. You don't know what tired and achy is. And then there's us crazy people, and I'll put myself in this category, who think we can beat the odds. You know what I mean? There, there was a time in my life, oh, I'll just beat the odds, you know? I'll eat healthy. Well, that lasted a day and a half. <laughs> then I drove by one of my favorite fast food things. <laughs> it's amazing how the thinking becomes so much a servant of this short period of time that we think is somehow going to be glorious. You're going to be so free. Yeah, you're so, you are so filled in that time with weakness in your body that all the things you wanted to do, you're too tired to do. Oh, yeah, now we're going to travel the world. Oh, man. 
just walk to your car. (laughs) Are you getting the message? How crazy is this? And yet we'll take this incredible gift of opportunity of this life that we breathe and time and strength that we've been given and we will live for this 10 or 15 or 20 magical years when we think like we're going to just be able to engage everything at that time and everything in us is going and winding down. That's just nuts, to be honest. The Bible says that your life is but simply like grass. It's here one day, gone another. Why in the world will we buy into that kind of cultural, uh, you know, way to spend our life? Instead of paying attention that you have a life that can now honor God and bring honor to yourself from God. Matthew 25, 23, or 21, both say the very same thing. And it just basically tells us this. Well done. It's amazing. Good and faithful servant. See, our part in life, you thought they brought this up just for decoration, but I'm going to write on it. You know what your part in life is as a Christian? It's only one thing to pay attention to. Here's your big word. This is our part in a God-spent life. Serving the two things that are eternal. God and people. That's your word. Faithful. Not perfect, because that's looked after in the first judgment through the blood of Jesus Christ. Just faithful. That's the big word for you and I. He wants us to live every moment of our life with eternity in mind. And he wants us to leverage everything in our lives so that they serve what has eternal value and only eternal value. The second judgment is not about perfection. It's about our faithfulness. It's about being faithful to the things that have eternal value, faithful to the things of God, faithful in your life to whatever he calls you to do, faithful no matter what he says, faithful to his calling on your life, faithful to his purpose for you, just being faithful. It's just waking up every morning and saying, I don't have the power, strength, or wisdom, abilities to lead my life like you do, Jesus, so I, I, give, I give the throne of my heart to you. I give it to you. You are the one 
that is going to direct all the decisions I will make today. Your in-behind lordship is going to control the thoughts upon which I apply to the decisions that I make. I cannot live this kind of life without you. I need you to be the leader of my life. I will do what you want me to do. I will say what you want me to say. I want you to lead me. You're my protection, you're my provision, you're my, provi- my promotion, I give it all to you. That is what this looks like, Lord, is that it's all about you. It's just all about being faithful. I want to be faithful to love you, I'm faithful with all of my heart, faithful with all of my soul, faithful with all of my might, faithful with all of my strength, just faithful, just faithful in marriage, faithful in my vows, faithful to your kids, faithful to serve, faithful to love, faithful to model for them what it looks like to live for Jesus, even when it's hard, faithful at work, faithful in integrity, faithful to pray, faithful to seek God, faithful to his word, faithful to his spirit's leading, faithful to the empowerment of the spirit on my life, just faithful to God with everything in your heart, just wake up and just be faithful. Don't try in a perfection model. He'll look after you. You be faithful. You be faithful. Let me just kind of reemphasize to you what this looks like. It looks like this. Are you ready? Faithful. 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 And faithful. And faithful. 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 Faithful, 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 faithful. You just put it back to back. You put one day of faithful back to the next day of faithful. You put the next day of faithful back to back to that day of faithful. And you just be faithful. It's not perfection. It's faithful, 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 faithful. And the key is to put faithful, faithful, and faithful, and then faithful and faithful back to back so that you are living faithful. I'm not done yet. (laughs) Some of you are getting tired of hearing it. Maybe much less living it. Faithful, 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 and faithful, and faithful, and faithful, and faithful, and faithful. Can we do that together? Are you ready? Faithful and faithful, 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 and faithful. That was hard, wasn't it? That's all he's asking. Every single one of you can be faithful. You can just be faithful today. Every single one of you can surrender to him and be faithful if you want to. You can just be faithful. Just being faithful to his call, faithful to his will, faithful in submission, even when you don't feel like it, even when it's hard, even when everybody else is bailing, you're just saying, I'm living for Jesus, I'm living for God, I'm living for eternal things, I'll just be faithful. Guess what? Out of nowhere, you'll put it back to back, you just be faithful, 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 and out of nowhere, all of a sudden, God brings his part.
fruitful. Our jobs are faithful. His jobs are fruitful. And he brings about to those that just put faithful back to back joy and abundance of it. An abundance of peace and abundance of love. He brings the character of Jesus Christ in you and through you. He causes breakthroughs in marriage, breakthroughs with kids, a breakthrough in finances, a breakthrough in faith. If you'll just be faithful, he'll bring the fruitful. And on the day you take your last breath and you stand before him, you're going to hear him say, well done. Good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Faithful. It's out of that faithfulness that you build with gold, silver, and precious stones. And it's because of your faithfulness that he will make you fruitful. Isn't it an amazing exchange? So don't be afraid of the first test if you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior. You don't even get that test. Christ took it for you. The second May it challenge you every day so that you live with a strong concept of this beautiful judgment seat of Christ when he will reward and realize every day you're going to the eternal building store and you are choosing the materials you build with. So build well. Do it with care. Are we good? Are we good? So be faithful. Let's stand together. Okay, now with, with great honor and the privilege to do so. How many here would raise their hand and say, Hi, I am a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Look at this. Isn't it beautiful? Okay. This prayer is for us. This prayer is for us. This message has been for us. And I want us to pray in this that if there's anything that's not in alignment in our life, we know the stewarding is not hitting the mark, that you would in this prayer confess that and say, Lord, I'm just going to get back to faithful in this. doesn't matter how severe you might consider the drift. It's simply, again, it always has been about the faith choice to trust Jesus. Not to be saved again, you're saved. But to trust his love and his grace to strengthen you and teach you and coach you and bring you along in your faith. Get back in alignment. Let's bow our heads together. 
you might just whisper this prayer to the Lord and as a Christian and say, Father, if there is anything that's not in alignment, if there's anything in me that you want to see changed and today is the day, I've heard your words, I've heard your truth and I will be faithful in the thing that you want to see changed. I am going to, Lord, take up that change. I'm going to steward it better. Whatever it is, Lord, in the hearts and minds of each of us around this auditorium, I pray that no matter what it is that they need to submit to you, that they will just choose that faithful response. No matter what it is. And now for those, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is not a message of condemnation. This is a message of the greatest love and grace and the offer for you to have eternal life through Jesus Christ. And in the quietness of your own heart, you would offer something like this as a prayer. And you would say, Jesus, forgive me all of my sins. Wash them away. I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I want to be ready for that first judgment so that, Lord, you take my test. And I am found righteous because you took the test. For the second, I offer you my life. And I want to be one of the ones that when I walk into my eternal life, that you greet me with, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call, 780-539-0572, or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com. Dot com.